0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I want to talk tonight just just briefly on this subject that I, I was reading this passage of scripture uh, the other week, and uh, this. This particular uh, statement uh, just really um, jumped out at me uh, in this story. And, and it talks about how that uh, Peter was, was uh, captured by Herod. And uh, in verse 5, that Peter was kept in prison, but prayer... Was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him, and the Lord really dealt with me on on that about the power of a praying church, uh, and so that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to give you a little bit, <clears throat> a little bit of uh, history on what's going on here. We've been in the Book of Acts for the past several weeks, and and we've seen. Uh, how God has birthed the New testament church and and the the New Testament church was a church that was birthed in power, it was birthed by power uh, and but it wasn't just the power, but it was prayer that produced the power and uh, so <clears throat> we in in this story uh, the Bible says that that Herod uh, was the king stretched forth his hand and began to uh, vex certain of the church and uh, that he had already had James, uh, the brother of John, uh, he had already beheaded James and he saw that uh, by doing that it pleased the the hierarchy of the Jews and so the next uh man that was most, uh, most in authority or most prominent of the Christians at that time was Peter. And so he uh, set out to get Peter. He had gotten Peter and imprisoned Peter with the intent that, uh, that he was probably going to follow the same fate that James had followed by being beheaded. But if I were to ask you the question tonight, how will the church ever get revival, what would you say? Unity? Penance? Prayer? Fasting? All of those things are definitely elements that go into bringing revival but uh, we're going to see tonight some things I believe that that God wants wants the church, the body, the corporate body to to grasp in 2019. but in this Herod <clears throat> this Herod that uh, is mentioned here in, in Acts chapter 12, was Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great. Now you might not that might not ring a bell to you, but uh, or actually this was the grandson, I'm sorry, of Herod the Great. Uh, and that might not ring a bell to you, but but we'll go back a little bit further and and kind of g- fill you in on some things. Herod the Great, Uh, was king when Jesus was born. And you remember how Herod uh, sent the wise men uh, or told the wise men that when they found the baby, Jesus, to let him know where he was because he wanted to worship him too. Well, we know that that was was a lie uh, because when the wise men went back the other way, it angered Herod the Great. He retaliated with that by having all the, the firstborn male children in the district of Bethlehem, which uh, two, years, two years old and down, he had all the male children murdered uh, trying to kill the baby Jesus. But he wasn't successful. He wasn't able to stop what God was doing. The first thing I want you to get tonight is I want you to understand this. If you ever get a word from God that you know that this is what God is doing, this is what God wants, this is where God is taking you, you don't have to worry about how many demons of hell rise up against you because Because they cannot stop what God has ordained. They cannot stop what God has already made plans for. When God makes plans, his plans are sure. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter what affliction might come in your life or what struggle may come in your life until God says that is it the purpose I've had for you is finished. Until that day comes, friend, just go ahead and rejoice because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the doctors have said. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter how you feel. God has got it, and it's going to happen. Herod the Great tried to destroy the baby Jesus, but he could not do it. He, he was not able to do it. And then we move on down And his son, Herod Antipas, comes on the scene. Herod Antipas is the one that uh, had John the Baptist imprisoned. And subsequently had John the Baptist beheaded. Herod uh, Antipas 1 is the one that we're reading about in Acts chapter 12. He was following in the footsteps of his father and his grandfather. Now, why am I bringing this out? I'm telling you this is because what you and I are dealing with today is nothing new. The devil has plans and strategies and and plots and and all of those things to try to stop what God wants to do. But he cannot stop it. And you might say, well, he killed James. He beheaded James. They also stoned Stephen. But that didn't stop the plan of God. As a matter of fact, it just added fire to it, added fuel to the fire. And here they have Peter, and they have Peter in prison. And and with the same intent, they're going to take his head off as well and get rid of him. But there's something about this that had, that had brought Christians to a place of where they understood, they had a revelation and a connection that they knew that God was able to move only if they prayed. It's going to bring revival. I asked you that question a little while ago. We hear a lot about that, that God's about to send revival, and and I pray he does. We hear a lot about that. We hear people say, well, uh, we're getting ready for the, uh, for the next great awakening, and that would be awesome, and I am excited about that, and, and uh, let it come, O oh Lord. <clears throat> But I want to tell you something tonight. There will not be a great awakening. There will not be a next revival. There will not be another outpouring of God's glory without repentance and brokenness in the house of God. doesn't matter how much you think it's going to happen. Revival always comes when people begin to repent and they begin to seek God. In the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Excuse me. In Nehemiah chapter 1 is the story. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah had a prominent position in the court. And he was the cupbearer. But there was a day that some that a group uh, uh, of men came back that had been to Jerusalem. And they had seen uh, the destruction in the city. They had seen uh, the conditions of the city. And they came back and uh, Nehemiah was there. And uh, I think it was Hanani that uh, Nehemiah asked about uh, he said, and I'm gonna just paraphrase rather than go there and read it. He said, uh, "Hey, man, uh, tell me about what's going on in Jerusalem. Tell me about the condition of the city. Tell me about the condition of the people. What's going on there? That's That's the homeland. that's that's God's city, the city of David. Uh, I want to hear about it. I've been a captive here. For, for years, and I want to know what's going on in Jerusalem. And and Hananiah began to tell uh, Nehemiah, he said, man, it is, it is awful. He said, the walls are broken down, they've been burned with fire. He said, the people are in great distress, and it's just a terrible situation. I want you to catch something here, because this... I, I was thinking about this the other day, and and God kind of just quickened my spirit, and He said, "This is this is the difference between revival and no revival." And and I said, "Lord, what are you talking about?" And He said, "I want you to notice. There's two men here, Nehemiah and Hananiah. They were both Jews. They both uh, probably loved the Lord. Hananiah had been to." Jerusalem, he had seen the condition of the city, and he came back. But one thing about Hananiah that you don't see uh, that's, that's not like Nehemiah is that you don't see any tears from Hananiah. you don't see any weeping, you don't see any uh, uh, brokenness about him, you don't see any uh, distraughtness about him, all he does is says the city is in a mess, The people are in great distress. But when you get to Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard the words of the condition of the city of Jerusalem, it broke him. Yeah, I mean, it broke him, and he uh, began to weep and cry before God and, and lay before God with fasting and praying uh, because of his brokenness. Why? Because the the city uh, of David, the, the, the place that God had chosen to put his name there was in a mess and was was destroyed, and it smote him in his heart, and he said, God, I cannot rest until something happens to fix this mess what is the difference there The difference, ladies and gentlemen, is that one man saw the same destruction, but it didn't strike him. It didn't strike at the cords of his heart. Another man heard what he said, and when he heard those words, it broke him. It broke him to the point that it drove him to his knees. It broke him to the point that he began to fast and pray before God and say, God, send something, do something are you, you catching what I'm saying? So when I ask the question, what's going to bring revival? What's going to bring revival in your life? What's going to bring restoration in your life? If you go back and you look throughout the history of the Bible, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you'll see where most of the time, Revival and great restoration took place out of brokenness, out of deep repentance. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, and you don't have to turn there unless you just want to, but in this story is the story of the seven churches of Asia. And Jesus is speaking concerning these seven churches of Asia. Not one time in those, uh, in Jesus talking to these churches, does Jesus ever tell them to go and pray. He never tells them, You've lost your first love, go pray. He never tells them, "You're, You're neither cold nor hot, go pray. You know what he does? He says you need to repent. You need to repent. Every church, Laodicea, you need to repent. Every church, Ephesus, you need to repent. Now I know that repentance involves prayer. But he never specifically said go and pray. But he did say go and repent. So what's going to bring revival? It's repentance, it's brokenness. What's going to bring restoration in the life of a sinner? It is repentance and brokenness. And you say, Pastor, how are you getting repentance and brokenness out of Acts chapter 12? I don't know, I'm just following the Holy Spirit. We're going to make a wide turn and come back. But it's repentance and brokenness. The highway that leads to revival and restoration is repentance and brokenness. The highway that leads to revival is repentance and brokenness. The reason that we're not seeing sinners changed by the power of the gospel is because there's no true repentance it's it's kind of like they get a little dabble, do you? And 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 that little dabble do you is just enough uh, to uh, say that they've been in church, but not enough to change them. And I want to tell you the gospel changes lives. The power of the gospel changes lives. The word of God changes lives. All right, now I'm fixing. A, I'm at a crossroads now. I'm gonna make a, a a right turn and come back. But I just wanted to. Wanted to let you know that 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 the move of God that our country so desperately needs is going to be birthed through repentance and prayer. It will not come any other way, guys. It won't come through the head of a denomination. It won't come through better teaching. And it won't come through better preaching. It won't come through better oratorical skills, but it will only come through prayer and repentance. Because you see, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes me. Repentance doesn't do anything for God, but it does a whole lot for me. Amen? So, here is Peter in prison. And he's held by these four quaternions of soldiers. According to what I understand, there was about four soldiers uh, in each quaternion uh, or in each group. And the reason there were four of these groups was that two of them were chained to Peter on the left and right. One of them guarded the actual prison door, and the other one stood at the front uh, gate of the prison and guarded it. And the reason there were four groups of them is they took each a watch. uh, They took a watch each during the night. And so Peter was bound in prison, soldiers on both sides, Shackled up, chained up in prison. And uh, the Bible says that uh, Herod intended to have him uh, brought before the people or beheaded on, uh, after the Passover. But the Bible says in verse 6 <clears throat> that when Herod would have brought him forth the, the same night Peter was sleeping, between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Yeah, kept the prison. But if you go back to verse 5, it says that Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him the power of a church that prays together. You see there are things that <clears throat> that if we're not careful, we will adopt into our lives that will replace, The most important things that God wants us to have. If you're not careful, you will allow things to come into your life, and they're not always bad, but they displace what God really wants you to have. If you're not careful, don't take this the wrong way. Put your phones down or whatever, and don't be throwing them at me or nothing like that. But if you're not careful, even our worship will take the place of what God really wants us to have. If you're, not wor- if you're not careful, even your church attendance will replace what really God wants you to have. All right? And we gotta have, I love worship. I mean, God's working in and moving in our worship. And I love worship. And worship has its place It leads us to a place. But listen, if we don't go on, we're going to miss what God wants us to have. Church attendance is good, and I'm glad that you come on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. I'm not preaching to the Wednesday night crowd tonight. I'm preaching to the Sunday morning crowd. They're going to get the uh, podcast, and they'll listen to it. All right. But but coming to church is good. But if you stop at just coming to church, you're going to miss what God wants you to have. You see God wants you to go on in to him, deeper into him and to realize that when we begin to pray together as a corporate body, God will move. He will move and I'm thankful for those of you that are, that are praying. I'm thankful for these ladies, uh, especially, that are praying. I, I know there's two groups that are praying, and others are praying, and I'm thankful for that, thankful for your prayers. But I want you to, I want you to see how prayer turned this situation around. Prayer changed the plan of the enemy. And, and in the book of Acts, you see that, Sprinkled all throughout that book is the power of prayer. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, uh, the, the Bible says that the disciples continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. This was as they were going into the upper room, that they continued in one accord and in prayer and supplication. And we know the results of that. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, where Peter and John were going down uh, and, and they saw the crippled man at the gate beautiful. They were going down at the time of prayer when that took place. In Acts chapter 6, uh, and around, around about verse 4, uh, we see where they said that they'll, they'll continue uh, to give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They wouldn't allow anything to get in the way of praying. Nothing could come between them and pray. Acts chapter 10, the story of Cornelius. You see where uh, the, the angel came to Cornelius and said, Your prayers have been heard. And then we see Peter uh, at Simon the Tanner's house on the rooftop, and he was praying. And the angel of the Lord came or uh, had the vision. And it came during prayer. You see, prayer changes us, prayer opens our spiritual pipeline up that we can begin to receive and we can begin to see things like we've not seen them before. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And Then he said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So prayer was made. The English Standard Version says, But. Prayer was made. But prayer was made. You see, sometimes in our lives when when we can't seem to get anything else to go like we think it should, and we can't seem to get out of the rut that we're in, maybe God is saying it's time just to kind of lay everything else to the side and refocus in prayer. Prayer. And begin to pray. Maybe it's time to turn the TV off. Maybe it's time to put the phone down. Get off of Facebook. Cut the tweet. And start praying. And see if it won't bring a move of God. The awesome thing about this is it doesn't matter how the enemy has already come to bind you up. Doesn't matter how the enemy has already come to wrap you up. When God gets ready to move, think about it. Peter was bound to two Roman soldiers and God comes and just picks him right up, right out of the middle. Chains fall off, shackles fall off, But I want you to see something because Peter was asleep. Yeah, old oh, crazy Peter. Always putting his foot in his mouth. Always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time in front of the wrong people. Peter was asleep because Peter had gotten a revelation of how awesome God was. Peter realized listen, if they take me now, it'll be okay. If they leave me, that'll be good. Peter was asleep, but the church was praying. The church was praying, the people were praying. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands. That's pretty awesome there. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, bind on your sandals. And so he did and he said unto him, Cast your garment about you and follow me. And he went out, followed him, and I'm going to just word this like I I think it, southern Alabama. He went out and followed him, didn't even know it was true what was being done by the angel, but thought that he was in a dream. See, we read these stories like this in the book of Acts, And I know there are people that say, well, you know, the things that happened in the book of Acts, that is a historical, uh, uh, that's the history of the church, and, you know, that's the way it started then, and, and it started out with power, but we don't need all of that now, and uh, it started out, you know, the the displays of the Spirit and healing and, and things like that and but but God doesn't do all of that anymore so it's it's a good lesson of history and all of that and 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 so but God just doesn't work like that anymore and the devil has come in so subtly and and rocked people to sleep and lied to people into and, and to get them into thinking that that God doesn't work uh, miracles anymore. God is not a powerful God anymore. He is just a God that is concerned about saving you. And when he gets saved, then he's going to move on to the next one. And he doesn't care about what kind of battle you're in, what kind of struggle you're dealing with or anything like that. And so we've lost our ability to see God as big as he really is. We've lost our ability to recognize that he is a mighty God. He is a powerful God. And, and the enemy has come in and robbed us of our faith and uh, lied to us and get us to believe that, that God doesn't care about where we are. But I want to tell you tonight that God does care about where you are. God does care about what you're going through. And God is still the same God today as he was back then. You see, and and what we need to understand tonight is there's keys that unlock these things. And one of them is prayer, and the other one is repentance and brokenness before God. Because when I reach my limit, that's when God begins to move. Only when I reach the point in my life that I say, God, I can't go any further. I can't do it anymore. I don't know any other way to go. That's when God begins to come and says, okay, I've been waiting on you to get there. That's the reason that Paul said in 2 Corinthians that God's strength is made perfect in his weakness. Amen. And on down in this story, and I'm, I'm fixing to close, we see where the power of a praying church has come to fruition. Peter is standing at the door knocking. Rhoda comes to the door, runs back, so excited, runs back and tells everybody in the house, Peter is at the door. No, he ain't. No, he ain't. See, I'll let you know that God doesn't expect perfection. He just expects obedience. But Peter was freed. And here's the thing. the very ones that had it in their mind that Peter was going to be destroyed, if you look in that story, there were 16 soldiers that lost their lives because they put their hands to something that God said belongs to me. Not only that, God put put an end to the life of Herod. In the, in the final part of the chapter, Herod dies. The Bible says there was a day that he sat, arrayed in royal apparel, in verse 21, set upon his throne and made an oration unto the, unto the people. The people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But notice, notice this in verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God grew and multiplied. If there's one thing that I want you to get out of this chapter 12 tonight is this, that it doesn't matter how bleak the situation is. It doesn't matter how dark the situation looks in your life. When you begin to pray, God will move on your behalf. And here's the thing. Understand that it is bigger than you that what, what the plan that God has for you is bigger than you. When you look in the mirror, you see yourself. But when God looks at you, God says, there's, I've got a plan there. I've got a purpose for you. I've got, I've got, there's, there's a people or there's a people group that is waiting on you to get where I'm wanting to take you. Not by yourself. See, God's got greater plans. So just understand that as long as you are in Christ and as long as you are connected with Christ, you are unstoppable. You cannot be stopped. You cannot be shut down. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the plots or the plans. Nothing can stop the moving of the Word of God. The Word of God grew and multiplied. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? You know, it excites me when I hear people say that they've been praying, that they've been seeking God. It excites me because it lets me know that God is going to do something. And listen, we've seen little spurts of of revival. We've seen people get excited, and, and then the next week, right back to the status quo. But I think what God is doing and what God is wanting to do is, is to break us down and to get us to begin to pray and begin to seek Him. And when we begin to pray, we come in on Sunday morning, worship team gets on the stage, they won't have to strike a note, they won't have to strike a chord, worship will already be started. I want to challenge you tonight that when you come in here Sunday morning, don't wait to get here on Sunday morning before you pray. Spend some time praying before you get here on Sunday morning. And when you come in Sunday morning, come in worshiping. Come in broken before God and see what God will do in, you li- in your life and through you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, oh God, tonight, we thank you, Lord. You said in your word, God, that your name is a strong tower that the righteous can run to and find safety. God, I thank you tonight, Lord, that, Father, that, God, that we serve a God who is able to do all things, Father. God, I thank you tonight, Lord, that, Father, that, God, that you're able to move the mountain. You're able to move the, the things that would stop or that would hinder. And, God, I thank you tonight, Lord, that, that, Father, our access to you is our praying and our repentance and brokenness before you. So, Lord, tonight I ask you, Father, God, that you would individually Every individual that's here tonight, Holy Spirit, do do what we have not been able to do, Father. Because, Father, I don't believe that that true prayer can happen until you call us to prayer. I don't believe true repentance can take place until you call us to repentance. Repentance. So, Holy Spirit, do that tonight. Call us to prayer. Call us to brokenness. And, Father, as you call, we'll obey. As you say, come, we'll come, Father. And, Lord, tonight, I pray, God, let us not be satisfied any longer with just a little here and a little there. But Father, let us have a hunger that won't be satisfied with what man can cook, but a hunger that can only be satisfied by you, Father. Lord, tonight, do that in us. Do that in me, Father. God, call me to prayer. Call me to brokenness before you. God, as the people in the Old Testament would repent, God, with sackcloth and ashes, Father, tonight, God, take us to the place that we're broken, Father. God, let us not look at a person on the street who we know is lost any longer without knowing that we need to pray for them, Father. God, let us be broken, by the condition of our community. Let us be broken, Father, by the condition of our world. Let us be broken tonight by the condition of our government. Let us be broken tonight, Father, by the condition of our society, Father. God, let us begin to weep before the altar, God, until you come and bring revival. God, tonight, Father, We ask you in the name of Jesus, do this, Father. We pray tonight, God, for Peyton Baldwin, God. You see uh, her need tonight. We pray for Blair Carlton, God, that you would move on her behalf, God. We pray for Mr. Fred Brake's family, that you would comfort them and strengthen them tonight. Shane Reeves and Mr. Benny Presley, we pray for him tonight. We ask you, God, tonight, to touch Sandy and Daryl, their family, Father, as they go back to uh, Tennessee, Father. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, God. We we know, God, the the pain and the brokenness is there, but Father, I pray tonight, God, let it be a time of healing. God, let it be a time of. Of a, of a revelation from you, God, that will bring, Father, restoration. And Lord, tonight, God, that they will come home saying, I thought that I was going to a sad time, but I, I went and I, and I experienced revival. I pray for them tonight that you'd encourage them and strengthen them, Father. And God, tonight for Brother Jesse Bohan, and we ask you to touch him tonight, Father. We pray, God, tonight for the little three-year-old girl that's been abducted, Father. Oh, God, tonight that you would move, Lord, in that situation, Father, that you would bring her home safely, Father, in the name of Jesus. No harm, God, done to her, Father. Bring her home safely, we pray, Father. We pray tonight, God, uh, for Seth, Lord. God, you see tonight he needs to surrender to you, God, an encounter with you, God, that will change his life, Father. Let it happen tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray for Sister Willanette, Sister, God, that you would touch her tonight, Father. Sister Natalie, God, with the unspoken request, Lord, God, that you would move, God, on her behalf. We pray tonight for Mr. Pee Wee Sims, God, Pray for his family. God, tonight, that you would comfort them and strengthen them, Father. And Lord, for Mr. Jim Cruz, we pray for him. God, that you would touch him tonight in the name of Jesus. And Father, Lord, tonight, God, you can use anybody, anywhere, anytime. We know that. But Father, we pray, God, that we could be used, God, to bring about revival in our city, in our region. Father, you spoke it. You've spoken it, Father. It's come through prophecy. It's come through revelation, Father. God, we're believing tonight. We're believing, Father. We're believing, God, that we're not on the threshold. We're believing that we've already crossed the threshold, Father, and that, God, that you're gonna move In the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight, Father. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I bless this house. I bless this people tonight, Father, that are here. God, that you would send healing, restoration, and renewal, Father, over their lives tonight. Let your blessing rest upon us, Father, in the name of Jesus. And, God, we give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.